Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Well, well, well. Welcome to the campfire. It is such a pleasure to be here with you. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. We are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. Absolutely. Here's a tip for you. Ooh. Use your oven. Well, if you (laughs) have one. Here's some tips for using your oven. (laughs) Absolutely. We did an article about using your RV oven because I did a survey online about whether or not you use your oven. And a lot of people said that they did for storage. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of help you. The RV oven is actually not as bad as some people say. And it's kind of a cool thing. And especially if it's still cold where you are and you're camping, it does a decent job of heating up the camper too. (laughs) It does double duty as a heater in the room. And they're pretty efficient with propane. And I actually, speaking of warming up the space, I also belong to a air fryer group on Facebook. And they said, have you forgotten that you own an oven? And I said, no, that's how I warm my kitchen. (laughs) I like to bake because then when the oven is off and I leave it open, it warms the kitchen up a little bit. So it's the same as at home. If you use that oven, you've got that residual heat at the end. Go ahead and use it. Yeah. Open the door once it's done and woo. But just so you know, there are basically two ovens that most RVs use. There's a 17-inch version and a 22-inch version. Right. And the 17 is admittedly pretty darn small. You're basically doing pizza and cookies and very flat things in it. Yeah. The 22 is a much more useful oven, and I wish more RVs, if you're going to put in an oven... Put in the 22. If you're not going to put in an oven, give me a convection microwave. Now, what is that number? Is that a side-to-side number? It's a height. It's a height It's an external height. So they're all the same width? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they all kind of fit in the same width. And I talked to a few companies. They said, well, we offer models with and without an oven. And they're like, we just don't want to have the different cabinet design. So you get what we offer. (laughs) You get an oven. Now, we've also seen people that have taken their ovens out and built in their own cabinet. Yeah. Those super handy guys who can, you know, match wood and (laughs) do some great jobs with that. But. We actually use our oven quite a bit. I guess we're fortunate because we have the 22-inch, so we don't really feel that space crunch of only being able to do really flat things. Yeah, thank you, Rockwood, for choosing (laughs) to put the larger of two ovens in a very small camper. Yeah. I've been writing all these RV reviews, and there's a lot of bunk models and they put the little oven and it's like no that if you can sleep nine people give me a real <laughs> oven so this article that we wrote on using your oven there's some tips because for example manya who you're going to hear from shortly she actually did pulled pork in her oven and it was fantastic so there's some tips to using the oven things like you will have to distribute the heat more evenly mm-hmm. and one of the things in response to that poll one of the things that I thought was interesting, you know, I've heard a lot use a baking stone. Right. And of course, those are 
sort of fragile, right? Because they're stone. They can break, right? Somebody said just use an inverted cookie tin. Oh, just anything that will kind of spread that yeah, heat that'll kind of distribute the heat. Okay. One person actually put food under the burner. So the burners are at the bottom of the oven. They actually lit the oven and put something under there to like kind of oh, broil they it. They have a broiler. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you got to be really careful if you do that though cuz Yeah, you don't want it lighting on if fire. If you're limited in height and then you stick something under there almost touching that flame, you better keep a good eye on yeah, it. Yeah, that's for sure. But, you know, Hello, Broiler 101. That's pretty much always true in a gas oven. True. (laughs) Things like get yourself a thermometer so you know what the oven's doing. And also know they usually have hot spots. And so it's good to know where those are. Peggy has mentioned turning the food very often. Yeah. So when I do something large like a big casserole that needs kind of a lot of cooking time and wants to be cooked the same throughout. If I'm going to bake it for, I don't know, like 40 minutes, I maybe turn it every 10 and just kind of turn it around so that if the oven isn't going to have a stable temperature, I make up for that by moving the food to the heat, in and out of the heat, on the heat, off the heat. (laughs) On the heat, off the heat. Yeah, sounds good. Anyway, check out our article. We'll have a link in the show notes. You know, it's that time of year where people start either looking at their weight or their finances. Yep. And we've got a great guest. We have somebody who I used to work with who is going to talk about RV finances. So we'll be right back. I see you're packing for our next road trip. Oh, yeah. These are all the ingredients for making different grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub stick. Great. But uh, where are the clothes? I got all kinds of inspiration for making grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub sticks over the campfire. There are 11 kinds of cheese and bacon, bacon jam, ham, five kinds of bread. Wait, okay. That's all for making grilled cheese sandwiches? Yeah. I know the grub stick is a perfect campfire accessory made of quality parts that work together for sandwiches, hot dogs, s'mores, woofums, and all sorts of other great meals. But isn't this a bit too much variety? Camping is supposed to be simple. Oh, it's simple to use your grub stick over the campfire or even on the barbecue to make great meals. And even kids can use them safely and easily. Plus, with the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS, you get 15% off your grub sticks. It's the best deal around. Yeah, but it's going to take us weeks to eat that mini grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Weeks of grilled cheese. You say that like it's a bad thing. And you haven't even seen what I packed for breakfast and dinners. We are going to be camping for months. My husband is insane. But Grubstick is the perfect cooking accessory for any campfire. And you can get 15% off using the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS from our partners page at StresslessCamping.com. Now I'm hungry for grilled cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Yeah, you know, we could actually use our grub sticks right now. We have actually used them a lot at those RV basic training camps. We shared them with people and people were like, wow, these things are really cool. So part of basic training camp is to get to make your own s'mores in the grub sticks. And your own chili dog wraps. That's right. It's a part of RV basic training. Yep. We are so lucky and so happy to once again invite our great friend Monia Tenney to join us 
on a podcast. Who's the queen of the fire pit? The queen of the fire pit and the queen of finance. <laughs> yes. So one of the cool things is when I worked in RV sales, I got to work with Manya and Manya was our finance whiz at the dealership. And I thought it was a really good idea to have her come and join us here at the campfire and talk about RV finance because I know a lot of people are buying new RVs and looking to get the best deal and finance is part of that. Right. So if you thought that Manya's two previous guest appearances were because she's just a great cook, which she is. <laughs> which she is. <laughs> she's also a great fire maker and she's also very knowledgeable in the finance world. So yeah. she is an all, she's a do-it-all kind of woman. Wow. <laughs> wow, Manya, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming back to see us again. Absolutely. One of the reasons I enjoyed working with Manya is not just that we had a lot of fun working there, but also Manya really had the customer's best interest in mind when she worked with them. So she wasn't out to nickel and dime them. She really did a lot of good things to help them get the best rates and the best financing. And so I thought that's something that as a listener of the Stressless Camping Podcast, you might be interested in, especially if you're thinking of getting an RV. Right. So the first thing I think we should ask is, what is the most important thing people should know before they even walk into that finance office? I believe you should know your credit score and your budget, okay. what you can afford. What can you afford monthly or Obviously, if you're paying cash, we're not financing, so that's irrelevant. But what can you afford on a monthly basis without getting in over your head? As knowing your budget, part of that is the down payment. I think a down payment's always a good thing to do. I think you should at least cover your tax and license in a down payment. Now, a credit union generally isn't going to require that, though. So if you're looking to get into an RV and you don't have money down, credit union's the way to go. Yeah, and credit unions will offer you zero down and they'll offer... 10, 15, mm -hmm. 20 year loans even, yes, right? Yes, depending on the amount financed, absolutely. So does it go on like a scale, like the the lower you have for a down payment, the higher your rate's likely to be, or the higher your credit score needs to be, or are they kind of all independent? The main thing is credit score. You can't overcome credit score with down payment. Okay. Down payment just makes it a better monthly buy for you as far as your budget. It, obviously, okay. if you put 10 grand down, your monthly payment's going to be much less. Right. But if your credit's in the dumps and you're looking to overcome that with down payment, that's not going to happen on an RV. Okay. So let's talk about that credit score, what are some of the relevant numbers of credit score to getting a loan? Generally for a credit union RV finance, you would need a 620 minimum credit score. Okay. Now, obviously an 800 is stellar credit. Therefore, you're going to get a much better rate. So the credit rate heavily affects the monthly payment because of the interest rate you get charged. Yes. So we're looking at 10, 12% for low 600s to, wow. yeah, to 800 is going to get you a great rate of like 4.24, which is fabulous for an RV. It's a luxury item. Therefore, it's not the same as a car. You're going to get a much better rate with that score on an automobile because 
that's a necessity. These are luxury items and that's where the bank's going to make up for it is in rate. Yeah, because a lot of times if the economy goes south, the first thing you quit paying for is RVs and boats. Absolutely. And they know hey, that. All your luxury items. And so because of that, you cannot come in with a cosigner typically. No, you can't. You can with a car. They'll accept a cosigner, but they don't accept cosigners on RV loans. You have to stand on your own and purchase your luxury item on your own. But by the same token, you can get these long loans and that can really drop the payments. So, yeah. I mean, if you have, what's a typical RV? $30,000. I think the average financed in the U.S. is in the mid 40s, though. Wow. I know. Well, you got Tiffins and Marathons. Yeah, well, yeah average. Yeah, if you average yeah. out those million yeah, dollar motorhomes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. although I bet you most of the Tiffins and Marathons and Lux fifth wheels are probably somebody comes in with a check. Yeah, they don't finance that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, would it be better to do a longer term? or a shorter term with your RV? 10 year is probably your average term on an RV. You can go 15 or 20, depending on the amount financed, but 10 is pretty normal, pretty average. We see that all the time. So for instance, that's what I did on my personal RV is I signed up for a 10 year term. And the reason I did that is because I'm commission-based. I work on a commission level. So in the winter, when it's slower, I'm just going to make a minimum payment on that RV. But in the summer, when things are much better, I'm going to double up on payments. And that's, if you can afford to do it, that's what you want to do. Similar to a house, you can knock down the interest you're paying dramatically by paying more than your minimum payment. Right. That's something that's good about credit union loans is they will really look forward to that. That's that's something they accommodate really well. Yeah. But banks probably want you to spread out your payments over longer and longer and longer times because they know that they're going to get that much more interest where credit unions are actually kind of trying to help people out <laughs> to a certain extent and banks are all for the bank. So is it really different between getting a credit union loan and a big bank? bank loan? They operate opposite of one another. A big bank loan will give you a much better interest rate for a longer term on an RV. Banking on the fact that you're going to make your minimum payment for the next 15 years. Right Now, a credit union is going to give you a better rate on a shorter term. Interesting. Yeah. Because they basically want you to pay it off. Yeah. You're a risk. Everybody's a risk in the bank world. They're taking a risk, giving you a loan, basically. Are you a high risk or or not a high risk? The sooner you get it paid off, the sooner you're no longer a risk to Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. So they do give you a better rate for a shorter term. Is there any advantage if I have, you know, let's say I'm a member of Fred's credit union and I go see my buddy Fred and get a loan. Is there an advantage to me to go Going to Fred or coming to the dealership? It's a convenience to go. Most dealerships have what they call a cuddle system. It's credit union direct lending. So we 
pay a fee to be hooked up with the credit union to be able to do your loan right there. You don't have to go to the bank and sign and then get a check, essentially, and come back and sign with us. If you come directly to the dealer, you sign one time. You save, I mean, the signing process is anywhere from a half an hour to 40 minutes, probably. So why do it twice? That was something I saw is that people who were members of the credit unions we used, they would come in and you did the whole job for them. And there was literally zero difference in what they paid by coming to you directly or going on their own. But they did spend a lot more time if they had to go and apply at the credit union and then, well, which RV? And then it was more paperwork for us. Then because they either have to come in with, I have this much money to spend, or they have to come shop and then go to the credit union because they know how much they need and get their loan and then come back and then find out you already sold that trailer. <laughs> and start right. Whereas if you deal with the dealership, you can sit down with the finance manager and you can say, okay, well, what would it be like if I put this much money down? Because I'm sitting there in front of the screen. I know what your tax and license, I know your final number. I know exactly the credit union's not going to know exactly what that is necessarily. So you send them a purchase order is what you do. You would do all that, send the credit union a purchase order. The customer goes to the credit union, signs, gets a check, comes back, signs again. It's half a day. It's more than half a day because you as a consumer walk into the credit union, you're not dealing directly with a loan representative. You're generally dealing with a teller right? who is there to help you absolutely, but their expertise isn't in loans. So a lot of time you get information that isn't, they don't mean to give you wrong information. That's just not what they do every day. And it's also a much longer process if you don't happen to have a branch of your credit union in the same town as your Mm -hmm. dealership, because then you've got to go all over the place. Well, I also remember we worked with several credit unions, and there were times when a credit union would have a sale on rates or, you know, a promotional rate, whatever it was, and you would say, well, I understand you're a member of Fred's credit union, but Hank has a quarter point less, and that's going to make a difference. And so that was another advantage of coming directly to you. Absolutely, because those are things I know. You wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know what Hank has for a rate. Right. Because you belong to Fred and you don't know what Hank has to offer. So when you go to the dealer, they do know. They know because that's what they do all day. Right. Right. Exactly. They're doing finance all day. So generally, you know what Frank's rate is versus Hank's rate and you can steer. (laughs) They know Fred, Hank and Sally. Yeah. And you can steer the customer the right way by saying, okay, well, I understand that you're a member of this credit union, but you can get a better rate if you live in Lake or Mendocino County or wherever, whatever the parameters are to become a member of the other credit union and who wouldn't want to save money. Sure. Especially on something that, you know, it's money, you're buying money. And so it's better to save a couple bucks for sure. Absolutely. Over the course of 10 years, it equates to a few bucks. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So it sounds like the bottom line is know your credit score before going in. Oh, and to touch on that, it's a good thing if you're married. Most married folks have somewhere around the same credit. But if somebody has 
better credit. If the husband or the wife has better credit than the other spouse, it's better to put that person as the primary buyer. Right. Because then they're going to go off of that person's credit. I remember every once in a while, the person who assumed they had the better credit didn't. And that was always uh, sort of a... Yeah, they weren't happy to learn that. So Yeah, so that's a good thing to know. You don't average out two people's credit. You use the one better credit. Yeah, the one with the stronger credit. One person gets a loan. And it would matter if you're between tiers. So credit unions work in tiers, tier one being the best, tier six being the worst. Okay. So if you're right on the cusp of a tier one to tier two, if you're right there, then you would want the tier one rate. If somebody had the stronger credit, you want that opportunity to get the better rate. Yeah, absolutely. Because it'll be a big savings over time. Yeah, absolutely. If you show up and say, my credit is 743 or whatever, does that get verified? Yes. And that's a whole nother thing is most people run Credit Karma or some sort of app that is an average of their credit between three bureaus because there's three bureaus. Whereas the bank doesn't do that. The credit union doesn't do that. They They work off of one. They generally use one. Yeah, they generally run one. That's who they're signed up with. And they run one and they work off of a FICA score, not an average. We have had our credit frozen, intentionally frozen. Not that someone froze it on us. (laughs) We froze our credit to, you know, avoid any kind of fraud or anything. And so then every time we know we want to apply for a loan, first we have to call the bank or the wherever. And what do you use? And they're like, well, we use all three. Well, okay, but it's going to cost me this much money to Mm -hmm. unfreeze my credit. Can you pick one so I can (laughs) just work with that one? And sometimes they can't. Like sometimes we have to thaw. Both of us have to thaw all three of our credits. (laughs) Typically what happens is you'll call the lending agency and whoever you talk to has no idea. Right. So it helps to talk to whoever actually knows what they're talking about because it's good. So I guess since you mentioned credit freeze, credit freeze prohibits somebody from getting credit in your name. So let's say you went and spray painted your social security number and your date of birth on the side of a building. Somebody could look at that or just hack you, which we've all, you know, so often right, it has happens. been done. Yeah. And they have that. And so they go out and apply for all these loans or credit cards in your name. Well, if you have your credit frozen, they cannot apply for credit in your name. So it's a free way to really protect yourself. And it's a great resource that is out there that the credit bureaus don't like you to know about because it disables them from selling your information. And that's how they really make the money. And so by freezing your credit, it really is a great way to protect you. And all of these companies that are like credit monitoring and all of that, what they do is if somebody goes and applies in your name, then they may see that and go, hey, somebody already did this. Whereas by freezing your credit, they just can't. It's the best protection you can have for yourself. But it's it's another step then when you're ready mm-hmm. to shop, you don't just walk in and hand somebody a piece of paper and say, this is my credit score, run it. Right. You actually have to have it run. Right, yeah, because I could go in and say, hey, my score is is, is 916. Right. <laughs> and then they run your credit and it's like, dude, you're a 630. You're kidding yourself. 
And you'd be surprised. A lot of people just don't know what their credit is. They have right. no idea. Right. Yeah. They don't monitor it. They don't know. There's a great resource, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes, of how to work with your credit from Clark Howard. He's somebody who I've really gotten a lot of respect for on that topic. Yes. And amazingly, not just your payment history affects your credit. Everything affects your credit. Yeah. Changing jobs affects your credit. Moving affects your credit. Having There's a credit card affects your credit. <laughs> so many yeah, well, factors go that. into it. Yeah, yeah, but not only having a card, but what percentage of your credit mm-hmm. are you using? So let's say you have a card with a $25,000 limit just to pull a number out of the sky, and you have none of that used, that really helps your credit score. Whereas if you have that same card and you've used half of that, it hurts your credit score to have done that and then if you make a late payment that man, really hurts that's really bad yeah. yeah that's when they ding you pretty that's also good. when those introductory low 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 rates disappear right <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah there's a lot of factors and it's the more you know the better off you are on how your credit is scored late pays are a big deal the credit institution took a risk on you they took a risk to loan you money and trusted that you would pay it back. If you pay it back late, they ding you and a lot of people don't realize it. They don't, well, I paid it. I just paid it two weeks late. That's not good. No. Yeah, Uh -uh. yeah. That's not good at all. There's a lot of things that'll affect your credit and it is really good to know. And if you know, you can improve your credit score and you can possibly get much better financing should you go out and want to buy a new RV from Manya or whoever. Or wherever. But hopefully Manya. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The bottom line is know your number, know about what you can afford, finance for the longest term possible, but anticipate... Paying it off sooner. Yeah, paying it off sooner. You will not necessarily pay more to go directly to the dealership. So that's a big misconception. People think, well, I'm going to pay extra. No. Not not necessarily. Not right. right. And that also speaks to and something I have said over and over here. Get yourself a relationship with a high quality dealer because it, yes, it'll make the dealer. difference in so many ways. Yeah. There you go. I think that's great information for people looking to borrow money to buy a new RV. Absolutely. Yeah. And now RVs are starting to show up again. Yeah. That's right. They're available. So get out yeah. there and finance one, everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. If you haven't been out shopping, get out there and do some shopping because people have inventory again. Yeah. Yay. So- cool. Manya, thank you very much. And if anyone wants to come and see you in person, they can come to Redwood Empire RVs in Ukiah, California and or check out what you have online. They could buy from you from anywhere in the U.S. That's right. Yes, I'm there and I'm happy to help. Absolutely. And you'll get a really great deal. They don't do dealer fees or any, they don't rip you off. I I was very happy the way Perry runs his business. I think he does a good job. And you're a part of that. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Manya. We 
We know lots of people who would love to try out stressless camping, but don't have an RV. That's why we love RV Share. It's a great way to test the waters without jumping in with both feet. With RV Share, you can rent other people's RVs so you can experience stressless camping firsthand. It's a great way to decide which RV is right for you. Try motorhomes, travel trailers, or fifth wheels and see what fits your lifestyle. And if you want a safe and secure way to make money with your RV, RV Share is the way to do that. Safe, secure, and a great way to start stressless camping. So check out RV Share on the discounts and deals page on our website today. And once you've rented a few RV shares, you'll know which RV you want to finance. Yeah, there's been a lot of questions about should I get a Class A, should I get a Class B, should I get a Class C, should I get a travel trailer, a fifth wheel? Well, you could try them all. It's like a buffet of RVs. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you can see what your taste is. Ah. Uh, as much as we enjoyed Manya talking money. We didn't want her to leave, so we asked her to help us pick our destination of the week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she had a great adventure. And so here we go, Manya. Tell us where to go. <laughs> Last summer, you went on one heck of a road trip. Yes. Me and my friend Linda had this crazy idea that we wanted to rent a Can-Am in the desert. So I started researching, where did I want to stay? And one of my things was I was taking my little dog. So I needed full hookups. Wherever I was staying, I needed full hookups because I was going to take my little doggy. And we found this great place called Pirate's Cove in Needles, which is super fun. They have everything there. Water taxi. It's right on the river, right on Needles. And the coolest thing about it is there's these peninsulas. Some can accommodate many more RVs, but the norm was four per peninsula that stuck out into the river and you had full hookups. You had sewer you had electricity, you're in the middle of the desert. And you're right on, like literally in the river. <laughs> right on the river. That is so cool. Yeah, between the two peninsulas was a big half moon shaped beach. Huh. So you had this beach, you could swim, you can paddleboard, you could rent a boat, you could rent a jet ski, you could do whatever. Our thing was Can-Ams. We wanted to do the Can-Am, and it happens to be right near an OHV. I can't even remember how many hundreds of miles of trails that wow. they have, huh. which is crazy. It's super fun and scary and crazy all at the same time. <laughs> you must, our audience doesn't Now it's realize. scary because you're not much of a driver. That's what I was, Just that's kidding. where I was going. Because you're but in the PS, desert. Manya's a race car driver. So yeah. that's why so <laughs> making that as a joke. Yeah. So Manya has actually driven race cars for quite some time. And so, okay. So tell us why it's scary. Yeah. Because you're in the desert. So every cactus looks the same. You can't necessarily, without GPS, you'd be lost. You'd be completely, li- and we did, even with GPS, we got lost for uh, two, three hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah, everything looks the same. You can't find the trail. You're in a wash or you are you just can't find your way back on the trail because we started having a little bit too much fun and yeah. racing around. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, no, our little green dots way off the trail. Now let's get back to the trail. And we didn't go that far. But I think where we went wrong was we were in a wash and a wash is just a bunch of loose, not sand. It's not sand. It's little rocks is what it is. 
is. So once you go through, it just fills back in on itself. Huh. Oh, so it doesn't so really leave no tracks. tracks. No, uh. no, huh. not at all. Yeah. So we rented this Can-Am for two days in the middle of a desert. We went on a 39-mile trip that took probably five hours <laughs> in 103 degree oh, weather man. yikes and there was no like convertible top on the no, thing right it was open because we rented it so we're baking in the sun and <laughs> i mean the adrenaline kept us going it was fun we had a lot of fun we had a ton of fun there well you thought you were gonna die <laughs> yeah yeah we thought we were gonna die but the place is for activities it's great it has a bar a restaurant and it's a great spot right on the river and what does it cost to rent those things for do you remember the full hookups i think were like 70 dollars a night and what about the can-ams oh that was expensive that was i think 400 dollars a day but you had 400 dollars worth of fun right oh, oh absolutely <laughs> such that now you're thinking of getting yeah, one. yeah such that I'm when hooked. they came home all they could talk about for weeks was buying a can-am i'm hooked i <laughs> oh, keep yeah. looking at them and i keep looking it's my two-year plan and then you were also near so we left there and we went up to lake mead and linda and i this past year we bought because we couldn't do anything at COVID. You couldn't go anywhere or do anything. So we each got paddle boards. We have a great oh, lake here right. right where we live called Blue Lakes, which is awesome. It's a no wake zone. So it's great for paddle boards. Well, we decided to paddle board to this place called Emerald Cave, which is two miles from the marina that we put in at two miles up river and then two miles back. And it's super cool because where the sun, what makes it, it's an emerald green color when the sun hits the water. It's not algae. Hmm. It's just the way the sun reflects off the water. You're in this cave and the water's Emerald green. Emerald green. Wow. Emerald green. It's wow. so pretty. And how big is this cave? Not very big. You can fit probably six, kayaks in there side by side. And I was impressed that, I mean, you had been practicing for a good while before. Yes. Right, because it's two miles of two paddling miles one upstream. way. It was easier than I anticipated. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I put it in my brain that, oh my gosh, two miles, because the whole length of Blue Lakes is about a mile. Oh. So that's how we would judge it. Like we put in on one end of the lake, go all the way down to Latrian on and go back. And then we would tell ourselves, okay, that's one way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's different because when you're getting to the cave, you're going against the current. So mm -hmm. you're going upstream and having to work a little harder. But then after you've seen it, then you can almost kind of coast home, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we did. We hooked together. We each have a paddleboard. So we use these carabiners and we hooked ourselves side by side facing each other together. And we decided we're going to have lunch. Okay. so That's cool. Yeah, because we made lunch and took it. So we sat there and ate our lunch and floated a good distance down the river <laughs> so eating this lunch. Is coming back. Yeah, coming back okay, after okay. the cave. Yeah, after the cave, we decided, okay, wow. we're going to eat. So we hooked ourselves together, got out our lunch, and ate lunch and floated, like I said, a good portion back downstream. Nice, huh. nice. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really fun. It was a fun trip, nice getaway. Not too far from where we live. Back when I was a younger lad, we went to Lake Mead for the party houseboat summers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason I can't remember stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a super good destination. And 
you went there in August? October. October. Yeah. Okay, so that's why it was not So it was still 103 hot. degrees. Yeah, in October. So I think November would probably be perfect. Yeah. And that's when I used to, I used to go to the race in Phoenix every year and it was in November. And it was great weather. It was still 80, not 100. Right. Mm. So it was great. It's like the last fling was summer because it's getting cold here and rainy and Yeah. And then you go to the desert and you it's warm. It's beautiful. Postpone winter a little bit little longer. Bit longer. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> nice. that's one of the reasons we go to quartzite. Yeah. yeah. Still wear your yeah. short pants for oh, a little yeah. bit longer. Yep. Yeah. Last year I had to buy extra short pants because I was like, oh, I didn't think I'd need these. Yeah. Sometimes here winter kind of sets in in November. So we deal with November and December. And then we go January and go escape it for a while. And then we can come back and coast through the rest of the winter. <laughs> exactly. Ugh winter. I love the desert. I guess it's not for everybody, but I like it. I do too. I do too. It's very peaceful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something good about it. Thank you for taking us on your journey and for telling us how to finance an RV. And it's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So everybody buy an RV and go to Lake Mead. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, All those things. Take your new RV to Lake Mead. Yeah. Pirate's Cove. You can go down if you're adventurous. You can rent a Can-Am. You can rent them all over around there. That's just where we chose to go. But I noticed in driving around, you can rent them all over. Okay. Lots of different places rent them. It's the thing to do in the desert is to ride a side-by-side out in the desert. That's the funny thing about Quartzite. They're on the street. Mm -hmm. Is it Arizona or is it? No, Needles is in California. Needles is in California, but yes, a lot of them you can ride on the street in Arizona. And there's not a helmet law in Arizona. So we were back and forth between California (laughs) and Arizona. We, I mean, obviously we just wore our helmet because we didn't know exactly where we were. And it's safe, of course. But yeah, you don't need a helmet in Arizona. Arizona, and you can drive it to the grocery store, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. So yeah we to... see that a lot in Quartzite. Yeah. That's yeah. just what people, you know, they come in with their RVs or whatever and park it for three months and just drive their side by sides yeah. until it's time to go home. <laughs> That'll so be trippy. me when I'm retired. We'll come visit. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank again. you so much, thank you. Well, I want to go there. Yeah, I think we're that going sounds awesome. sooner rather than later. Yeah, sounds um, great. So last week, we asked you a question, as we do. Last week, we asked you where you listen. Yeah, where do you listen to podcasts? And I was actually a little bit surprised, but maybe I shouldn't have been. The most number of responses said that they listen in the house. In the house. In the house. But I guess not everybody's really going anywhere, so that (laughs) makes sense. Where else are you going to listen? It might change on a different time. Yeah. We did get quite a few people, which, you know, is expected that they listen while they drive, including a mail truck driver. So he listens while he delivers the mail, which is awesome. Yeah, one of our listeners, well, at least one that we know of, drives a mail truck. And he said it has been nuts lately. And another driver said he drives 700 miles a day, five days a week. Yeah, he drives a semi-truck. And so he listens while he drives. Yeah, isn't that cool? That gives you a lot of listening time. Absolutely. (laughs) Man, that's got to be a great reason to have a podcast. And then we had a number of people who said they were listening while they're exercising, of course. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like sweating to the stressless. (laughs) There's a few that surprised me at work so like the boss doesn't mind i guess not well you know it depends on what you're doing like i've done jobs where they're just kind of physical labor if i put on set of headphones physical yeah not that kind of physical oh (laughs) you know maybe if you're um a bank teller 
that might not be the best idea. (laughs) (laughs) If you're working with customers all day or answering the phones. Yeah, I mean, you could be like, you know, if you're a gardener. A roofer. Right, roofer, manufacturing. If you're building RVs and listening to the Stressless Camping Podcast, we appreciate (laughs) you. I know you guys are running out there. (laughs) The last one that was kind of like, huh? was our friend David Green, but never. I'm like, dude, why are you in our group? (laughs) Well, whatever. He's a smart Alex, so it's all good in the neighborhood. We know better. And now we have a question for you this week. And it kind of, we're thinking of Manya a little bit longer because (laughs) she's like such a great cook. And you know, you've heard her in our two Thanksgiving episodes. How and where do you like to cook? People use maybe only their kitchens that's inside the camper. Some people insist on having an outdoor kitchen and that's exclusively where they do their cooking. People cook on a fire pit, a propane fire pit. Some people bring their barbecue. Some of our friends bring their Traegers and smoke meat all day. And the Blackstone is a very popular choice. So where is your favorite way to cook? And, it, and Or is it just a mixture of all? It depends on your meal. It depends on the complication, the weather, you know. Pie irons. We kind of do all those different things. Yeah, Manya has those terrific pie irons. Yeah. We have the grub sticks that we use over either a regular fire pit or a propane fire pit. And we've even used them in our propane barbecue. Yeah, we have. Uh Uh-huh, use the cages. So tell us, is it a combination of things? Is there one favorite way? Is there something you always use? Is there something you'll never bother to use? Like we haven't yet jumped on the Blackstone bandwagon, so... We're the last ones. <laughs> we might be the, we're the only, only the people, only people RVing left and that not don't have a Blackstone. Black but now that we've been around our friends camping and watching them cook on them, we're like, whoa, that's not such a bad right? idea it's a flat after top all. From a restaurant, it's a flat top <laughs> griddle is what it is. So that's what we want to know. Let us know your favorite cooking methods. Yeah. All right. One last thing before we close out this week is I wanted to remind you, I said I was going to start doing reminders in the show. And right now, the first quarter, starting out the new year, I encourage you to go to your RV maintenance checklist and Perhaps uh, on your checklist should be things like cleaning your AC filters. Check the water level in your RV's batteries. And maybe give it a nice bath if the weather's not freezing where you are. And that's a good time to inspect the seals and the caulking and and all the voids in the surface of the RV. So there's your maintenance reminder. And we'll be back with more of those in the future. We're going to try to do them like when you should be doing them. Right. So if you have some friends that don't know what maintenance to do, Help yeah. them figure that out. Or we could send them to Pirate's Cove. or We could send them to Pirate's Cove. Finance the or you RV. can cook together in your outdoor kitchens. Whatever it is, let your friends know. Jo- have them join into us. We love people and we want more of you around. Absolutely. And of course, we are in all the social places. And you can find us at StresslessCamping.com. And from there, find us wherever you want to be social. And don't forget to look on our www.StresslessCamping.com discounts and deals page for the best deals on things you need for your stressless camping adventure and if you've got a great deal for our audience let us know yeah we'd love to share if you have a great deal and of course if you don't want to miss a future episode of the stressless camping podcast it's free free to subscribe on any podcast app we are saving you a seat around our virtual campfire and don't forget
forget a review will help others find this podcast and the more listeners we have the better the guests get right that's right and our guest next week is one you're not going to want to miss either so stay tuned tell a friend and happy Happy camping. camping we hope you learned a lot had some fun and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!